This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 126. Is Bank on Yourself a Scam? The Math and Magic of Money Blogger Alan Roth. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome to the Not Your Average Financial Zone. I'm so glad to have you with me. My name is Mark Willis, Certified Financial Planner and your host for today's episode. And your host for the start of, I think, uh, maybe a couple of episodes anyway. We're going to be getting into a fairly interesting and intriguing concept. You know, if you're a longtime listener, first of all, if you are, thank you for being a, a part of the journey and the revolution of thinking different about your money, your economy, and your future. If this is your first time to join us, welcome. We're glad to have you. If the title caught you and you want to learn more about whether or not bank on yourself is a scam, I don't blame you. Uh, So first of all, let's get some dictionary definitions out there. The word scam, the definition of a scam is, quote, a dishonest or illegal plan or activity, especially one for making money, end quote. There are definitely plenty of scams. With that definition, there are definitely plenty of scams out there on the internet, especially financial scams. I mean, for me, I'm still waiting for that share of the Nigerian prince's inheritance. Now that I've wired that guy money all those times, I've bailed him out of jail like a dozen times, and you know, I still haven't seen anything from him. You know, So that's one, I think he might be a scam anyway. And I was the only one out in the field last fall in the desert Uh, at Area 51 to, quote, see them aliens. I guess I was the only one that didn't get abducted. Uh, When I got up, got there, I was the only one there. I mean, that seems to always happen at the best parties. So, you know, there are plenty of scams on the internet, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Imagine for a moment you were researching something super important online. You know, like viral videos of cute cats doing their taxes, or maybe the next Weird Al vinyl that's going to get released. I'm super pumped about that. But then, you know, you're researching online and then all of a sudden some ad catches your eye. That ad, let's say, let's say it was for a financial strategy claiming that it was, you know, quote, guaranteed never to lose your money, quote, tax-free income in retirement, quote, uh, secrets of the wealthy that only they know, quote, grow your money even when you spend it. I mean, all that, would that really pass the sniff test for you? I mean, would your scam spidey senses be tingling? You know, if it sounds fishy, I wouldn't blame you. It certainly has all the the trappings and, and writings of a good scam, doesn't it? I mean, I was definitely skeptical when I first heard about this strategy years and years ago. So let's use another definition now. The, word, the words or the phrase, bank on yourself. It's a proper noun, bank on yourself. And it's, quote, a wealth-generating system using dividend-paying whole life insurance policies with writers that supercharge the growth of the policies. These policies are protected by a multi-layer safety net, and the companies recommended for the Bank on Yourself concept are audited by regulators in all 50 states. Through every economy imaginable, from the terrible Great Depression of the 1930s to the boom days of the 1990s, 
to the Great Recession of 2007 and 8 and 9, the bank-on-yourself strategy has demonstrated unfailing success for well over 160 years, end quote. So the key question of our little mini-series we'll be starting here is, is bank-on-yourself a scam? Okay, so that's our question that we're going to be tackling together. So as a certified financial planner, I'm pitched every week a new financial strategy that's promising everything from triple-digit returns to shielding your money from the IRS forever. I mean, I'm serious when I say every week I'm pitched something. In fact, I've been keeping a tally for this last 12 weeks or so uh, of, you know, at least once a week, somebody throwing some financial strategy in my, in my lap and I keep a little X every time someone does that, that I have to say no to. And I haven't broken the chain yet. I mean, when I started my business, it was insanely important that I only recommend true, legitimate financial strategies to my clients. My business reputation was on the line and it still is on the line every single day. So with, with that in mind, I figured I'd do a deep dive on this topic. Is bank on yourself a scam? If it is... I hope to uncover that in my research. I definitely want to know that now since we've got hundreds of clients all over the country using the strategy. I would definitely want to know for my client's sake. I mean, I got a lot of phone calls to make if that's the case. But also for my own sake, my family and I, we've been using this strategy for almost a decade now. So maybe as we go through some of these articles that I've researched and found online, you can make a decision for yourself if these critics of the strategy are thinking clearly, or maybe they've missed some important thing, title, item about the concept to their own peril. I promise I'll try to be as level-headed and as objective as I can be with the full disclosure that honestly, I am a bank on yourself authorized advisor. I do recommend this strategy to my clients, but that recommendation and certification came only after having done my own due diligence as a quite honestly, skeptical consumer first. So I'm also a certified financial planner, meaning I cannot act against my client's best interests. So let's get into this. Now, generally, I am proud of my capacity to resist tumbling down internet research rabbit holes. But wow, let me tell you, in preparation for this episode, searching Google or Reddit for scam bank on yourself, there were like 38 million research search results on Google and hundreds of posts on Reddit. Reddit in particular, by the way, is like just packed full of stories of users having, you know, good and terrible experiences with whole life insurance, including lots of language that would not be appropriate for this family-friendly broadcast that I'm putting out here. So, their emotions definitely got my attention, got me super revved up, pumped up to search the truth. Most of the posts on Reddit against Bank on Yourself generally pointed to three, four articles that critics online uh, that have, in my opinion, done a really good job of trying to answer the question, is Bank on Yourself a scam? So those are the couple of articles we'll be spending our time on in these series of episodes, looking at the most popular articles, criticizing Bank on Yourself, I'm going to leave Reddit and their adult language for maybe another podcast. Okay, so let's start with the article that I just found more than anywhere else on the interwebs. It's an article from 2012. So, you know, what is that? Eight years ago, CBS Money Watch um, did an article written by Alan Roth entitled Best Selling Books, Financial Promises Don't Add Up. 
So who is this Alan Roth? Alan Roth is the founder of Wealth Logic LLC, which is a boutique financial planning and investment advisory firm that presently advises on about $500 million in assets for about 100 clients. He's also the adjunct finance faculty member at Colorado College and teaches behavioral finance at the University of Denver's Graduate Tax Institute. So what does that mean? It means he's an academic blogger who owns a financial planning and investment advisory firm. Maybe this should tell you something about his perspective and also his motivation for writing an article against Bank on Yourself. Since Bank on Yourself is a financial strategy that's focused on whole life insurance rather than investments that you might end up setting up with him and his firm. Okay, so that's step one. Just know who's giving you the, ad- the advice, right? If you ask a barber if you should get a haircut, you can guess what his answer is going to be. Okay, so in Alan's article, he takes on the role, at least the guise, of an undercover investigative reporter. In his research in this article, he reaches out to, uh, to Bank on Yourself. He goes to the bankonyourself.com website and gets a, an authorized advisor to reach out to him. And they begin to converse together, and eventually they, they build a financial uh, strategy for Alan Roth. Alan Roth is not an investigative reporter. Remember, Alan Roth is an investment advisor with some very strong opinions. And in the article, some of his opinions come out. In fact, he says, quote, As the book, Bank on Yourself, describes, I could build up cash value in the policy and then borrow against it to finance major purchases, such as a new car. I would then repay the principal and interest from my own borrowings, as well as pony up some extra cash in the form of the paid-up editions writer. Yellen's book stated that despite taking out what amounts to a hefty loan, readers can recoup every penny of their purchases. End quote. Now, to, to him, and really to me, that sounded too good to be true. I mean, how could you recapture what you pay for major purchases? I'm sure his spidey senses were tingling, just like mine was, and maybe yours is too, after hearing that. But when he owns an investment firm, was he really being honest when he told his Bank on Yourself advisor that he was, quote, seeking refuge from the volatility that has whipsawed the markets and frayed his investors' nerves, end quote. So, Alan goes through the motions of acting like an interested buyer in a bank-on-yourself type whole life policy. When he receives the spreadsheets from the bank-on-yourself authorized advisor, he comments this on his article. Quote, Under two of the policies, my wife and I would be borrowing $30,000 two different times to purchase a car over the next decade. We would then pay that loan back. The insurance would be from Lafayette Life Insurance, a seemingly solid, highly rated mutual insurance company. At first glimpse, the agent's projections seemed magical. By year 12, when I had planned to use the policy insurance to live on, I had more money under the scenario where I borrowed to buy a car than in the one where I didn't purchase a vehicle. Could it really be true that I could spend and grow wealthy? End quote. While his article had many problems, lots of misstatements of fact, I'm just going to try to focus on one of those misstatements in our conversation and our podcast here. And the main one that I found was the key problem in his argument, his, his crack in the nutshell, so to speak, is that Alan Roth's argument was that using a bank on yourself policy to finance something like a car and then following the banking strategy was to him, he called it a flawed concept. He writes, quote, 
The bottom line. In repaying the $30,000 I borrowed to finance my purchases, I paid an additional $12,000 to Lafayette Life. But 12 years into the policy, I only had an additional $8,759 in guaranteed cash, which, depending on Lafayette Life's returns, could be as high as $9,832. In other words, I would have forked out $12,000 to the insurance company only to have less money years later around the time I expected to draw on the policy for my retirement. In other words, I would be out more, even more than the thirty dollars it cost to buy the car." End quote. His final conclusion was that bank on yourself, quote, seems like a pricey way to finance a purchase and by paying others to borrow my own money, no less, end quote. There's the logic flaw, that, but the logic that Mr. Roth is using there is flawed, and there it is right there. So let's focus on that for a moment. Alan Roth was comparing the total cost of purchasing a car and financing it through his bank on yourself type policy to the total cost of not buying a car at all. Something is rotten in Denmark there, right? Duh, of course, you'd have more money if you didn't buy a car. Nowhere in the Bank on Yourself books, her website, or any of our podcasts, by the way, does Pamela Yellen or myself or any other Bank on Yourself authorized advisor come out and say that you would be better off financing a car through your policy than not buying a car at all. Throughout the book, actually, Pamela explains comparing financing a car the traditional ways against financing a car through a bank on yourself type policy. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. She makes it very clear in her first book, um, which is what Alan Roth was able to read back in 2012. Bank on yourself, page 17 says, quote, but please understand this is a different way to pay for things, end quote. And on page 20, Pamela writes, quote, to understand the power of it, Let's go back to our example of buying a car. But instead of borrowing $30,000 from a finance company, you're going to borrow it from your own bank on yourself plan." End quote. All along, Alan Roth's confusion and conclusions were based on comparing a, buying a car through his policy versus not buying the car at all. Roth ignored the fact that you have to compare apples to apples, meaning that you have to assume you were going to buy the car one way or another. The bottom line is that the illustrations and projections that Alan Roth received, the ones that he called himself, quote, magical, were correct. There was no software malfunction. We simply used arithmetic to show Alan how his $12,000 was in the policy and had actually grown to $13,748. So basically, guys, his issue was he sent this additional $12,000 in and he had the problem where he felt like he had to pay $30,000 to buy the car, okay? So since I'm gonna set aside the fact that it does cost money to buy a car, but since I can't get him a, a car for free, I mean, Alan Roth, if you're able, talk to your local car dealer about getting that free car. Let's focus on the actual math. Where did his extra $12,000 go? Because that's a, that's a real question that he brings up in his article. Now, he paid back his $30,000 policy loan, you know, to pay off the loan principal to the life insurance company. So where did that extra $12,000 go? And why did he send in 12 extra thousand dollars? So let's break it down. It's actually two different components totaling $12,000. The two components are $4,000 and $8,000. Add those two together and you get the $12,000 that he sent to Lafayette Life above and beyond the loan principal of thirty grand to buy his car. 
That first component is the policy loan interest that's charged on all policy loans. Remember, it's always important to remember that the insurance company is not doing this for free. They don't just offer these loans for charity. You know, they're charging a loan interest rate. We talk about this in other episodes. Listen to, for example, episode 32, or listen to episode 110. In fact, episode 110, uh, I think it's called, wait, did I just pay for this twice? It actually has a really neat spreadsheet showing this in total detail if you're wanting to geek out on the numbers. So for Alan Roth, that was the $4,000 that was uh, interest paid on two cars over eight years. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. Four grand of interest paid on two cars over eight years is an APR of less than 1%. So his interest rate on that policy loan was less than 1% if that's all the interest that he paid on those two cars over eight years. However, Mr. Roth actually recouped the four grand. So in some ways, there was no cost. Now there was, but in some ways he recouped that $4,000 and here's how. Because he continued to receive the exact same dividend that he would have otherwise had had he not taken the policy loans to buy those vehicles. We included the formula in our show notes for this episode to tell you all the details, but if you want to get all the spreadsheet glory, again, go back to episode 110 for more specifics with a spreadsheet on doing this over and over and over again, buying cars over and over again throughout a lifetime. So that settles where some of Alan Roth's $12,000 went, but where is that other $8,000? Where was it going? How did he end up sending the insurance company a full 12 grand? That $8,000 was additional premium, paid up additions, additional premium. The additional cash value he received was generated by the additional money he sent in. You know, no magic there. No, right? He's simply adding additional cash that he would not have otherwise contributed and he was not required to contribute by the insurance company. The total amount was $8,000 that he sent in, four grand or so in year six and another four grand in year 10 for the two different vehicles. This additional contribution that he made is totally optional, totally optional to Alan, totally optional to you, not required by the insurance company at all. In fact, some of our clients decide not to send in that extra paid up additions. Others actually would decide that they want to charge themselves the same interest rate a bank might charge them to borrow the money from the regular bank down the street. It's a way for you to save more money than you otherwise would have when you make big purchases. It's a way to profit from your own purchases. It's not a magic bean that grows out of nowhere. It's simply a, a psychological trick to get you to save more on yourself, which is the coolest kind, right? Go back to Nelson Nash's comments about charging yourself what the local bank down the street might charge you. He says, you know, quote, don't steal the peas. So for more on Nelson Nash and how he talks about this, go back and listen to episode 95 and 96. So it's really, guys, it's really quite easy to show you how Roth's $12,000 being put into the policy would then grow to 13,748 bucks. Not too shabby, right? Roth's total payment of 12 grand above his loan principal was $8,000 of premium plus $4,000 of loan interest. That results in the total increase by year 12 when he's done paying premiums and retiring, let's say, of 13,748. That's, you know, to break that down, again, we will show this formula in the show notes. So, you know, um, be sure to look at that when you're not driving down the street, but that's a $9,800 cash value increase a $4,000 dividend, 
And the total growth of that would then be 13748 precisely. Now, he did pay twelve grand. some of that being loan interest, some of that being PUA. So the profit, the internal return, let's say, of the life insurance during that period of time was 1748 bucks. That's a key number. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, so bear with me on this. But Roth actually gains 1748 bucks of additional wealth uh, on his premium and even on the loan interest he pays in. Now, he sent in eight grand in premium, right? Of that 12 grand, 8,000 of it was additional capital to his quote bank. And it grows 1,748 on that money. I think most people would agree that, you know, in that period of time, that earning 1,748 on eight grand, that's a pretty good return. You know, it's certainly better than what my savings account would have paid me over the same period of time. In fact, after year 12, that that money continues to compound pretty nicely. In fact, Pamela Yellen and the Bank on Yourself authorized advisor who helped Mr. Roth with his numbers found that that $8,000 of additional paid up additions premium that Alan paid back, split up over year six and 10, shows up as cash value of $31,000 when his wife, Alan's wife, was age 90. And if she lives to age 100, the increase in the cash was $45,000 just for packing in $8,000 in paid-up additions back in the day for a few cars. That's not too bad for buying your cars. This was explained over and over again, I'm told, to Mr. Alan Roth. The authorized advisor explained it. Pamela Yellen even got on the phone and explained it. The insurance company explained it. But Mr. Roth insists that comparing buying cars using the policy was worse off than not buying a car at all. (laughs) Why? because it's the only way his arguments work. His math magic works. So to summarize, Mr. Alan Roth mistakes the truth that when he says he paid $12,000 to Lafayette Life, honestly, $8,000 was saved in a valuable asset that he owned, his additional premium. The $4,000 was policy loan interest paid to Lafayette Life. That is true. For two cars, over eight years at less than 1% APR. (laughs) Not too shabby. And that interest was paid to an insurance company, by the way, that he was in essence a co-owner of. Thereby, he would receive that interest back indirectly as dividends, which are basically profits from that company at the end of each year. So if we're comparing apples to apples, you have to look at buying a car with cash or buying a car with a policy loan. That's the true way that Mr. Alan Roth should have done his article. So let's look at that. Which way is better, buying a car with cash or buying a car with a policy loan? To me, it seems pretty clear. To have the most money in your pocket, don't buy a car at all. (laughs) Don't buy stuff you can't afford. Take the bus if you have to, right? But if you're gonna buy a car, nothing is more financially savvy than banking on yourself. Using a bank on yourself policy loan is the best way to make major purchases in my professional opinion. The insurance company verified that the illustrations that Alan Roth received were correct. And some of his numbers that he wrote on the illustrations, he has some handwriting on some of them, including one that says 6.9% return. Roth wrote on that illustration, they even confirmed that. But the conclusions Roth came, Mr. Allen Roth came to were only correct if he insisted on comparing buying a car through the policy versus not buying the car at all. He would not have any policy loan interest if he didn't borrow from the policy. That's obvious. 
So when he complains in his article that he was out 30 grand, I would honestly like to recommend Mr. Allen Roth, if you're listening, take that up with the car dealer. Apparently, car dealers want to charge you when you buy a car. So, you know, I don't think they're willing quite yet to give cars away for free. But what was the true cost of buying that car, right? The true cost of buying a car is the opportunity cost of what that $30,000 car purchase might have grown to had you not spent that $30,000, instead saved that $30,000 and let it grow instead. We get into this way back in episode 13. It was a toolbox episode cost the, called The Cost of Opportunity. So at the end of the article, Alan concludes, quote, On a personal level, I'm really seeking refuge from the volatility that has whipsawed the markets and frayed investors' nerves, end quote. Alan, I totally feel your pain over the last 20 years and independent research says real investors in the market 100% invested all the way in on stocks and equities. In other words, no bonds, no safety, no cash. If you're all in on the market, the independent research, Dalbar, 2018 survey says the real returns of investors is only 3.88% a year over 20 years. And Alan, that's before taxes, before taxes. That means the real net tax return is actually lower, more measly than that right? During that same 20-year period, inflation has eaten away about 54% of the value of our money. Yikes. (laughs) So, but Bank on Yourself, I believe, provides a wonderful solution. It's a shame that Mr. Roth didn't realize that he was literally holding a policy, the solution in his own hand. One of the illustrations Alan Roth received showed in the 13th year, the year after he stopped putting money into the policy and is, quote, maybe retired, let's say, he would have a cash increase in that year alone of 18800 bucks. That's, of course, using current dividends. Dividends aren't guaranteed, but they have been paid for over 100 years. So that represents, on its own, a 5.1% annual return. And he would have $367,000 of cash the year before. Liquid money. That's 5.1% after, ex- after expenses, after fees, And under the current tax code, that 5.1% return could be taken out of his policy with no income taxes due. Best of all, it comes without any risk, any stock market picking and choosing, buying and selling at the wrong times, or volatility of other investments. Uh, Oh, by the way, there is a death benefit of three quarters of a million dollars available for Roth's family in peace of mind, something that Alan Roth doesn't even bring up in in uh, in his article. So where else does Mr. Alan Roth think he can get all of that, right? By the way, no two bank-on-yourself type plans are alike. Yours would be designed different than Alan's uh, and anybody else's, really, to help meet your specific long-term and short-term goals and objectives. If you want to see your numbers in black and white with your own um, numbers attached, totally feel free. I'm happy to chat with you or me or one of my colleagues can speak with you. Just request a 15-minute introductory phone call. If you haven't already, go to nyafinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting. It's a big button there on the right side of the page. Hard to miss. Request a meeting and that gets right on our calendars. So please realize that Alan Roth I mean, he he boasts that he doesn't have an insurance license, okay? He boasts that he's never sold an insurance product. Yet apparently he's an expert on this 
and can write exposés on basically any kind of cash value insurance concept that attracts the attention of his, you know, clients, you know. He also has a long history of criticizing anybody who might compete for his client's business using the bully pulpit of CBS and Money Watch. He's writing articles pretty regularly. He's written articles from uh, cutting down folks like Robert Kiyosaki, who's from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, to the legendary bond fund manager, Bill Gross, the demographic trend expert, Harry Dent, and others. So I guess we could say that Pamela Yellen must be in pretty good company if he's writing articles on her. So I'd say we've put this article to rest. And again, I have no ill will toward anybody here. But if you're going to write a major article that misstates things, and even when you've been clearly explained 12 different ways that your logic is flawed, if you publish that article anyway, something's amiss there. So it doesn't mean that this article might be taken care of, but it doesn't mean that we're done with our research. There are a few more articles to review. I really want to dive deep into some of those as well in our quest to discover if Bank on Yourself is a scam. I also want to hear from you. You still have time to leave me a message. Today is the last day. So definitely hop on um, speakpipe.com forward slash NYAFP. That's our link for a free spot to leave me a voice message. And you might even be a guest or a little, uh, uh, your your voice might be heard on an upcoming episode. So head to speakpipe.com slash NYAFP and leave me a voicemail. I'd love to know what you think of Alan Roth's article or my analysis of it. Maybe I'm missing something. I'm very willing to hear it. So definitely go to speakpipe.com slash NYAFP today and let me know what your thoughts are. You can also find that link in our show notes. Finally, we do have a live episode coming up and there are a few spots left. You can go, it's this, it's Saturday, February 1st. So that is tomorrow as well. Uh, And that's at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We're going to be getting into some details on, you know, we've talked today about buying a car with the policy. Well, what about paying off debt? We call that the snowbank method. And we believe it's even better than paying your cash, paying your debts off with cash. So being better than debt free by using what we call the snowbank method. And is it better than the snowball method that you may have heard about? So that's what we're going to be going over tomorrow. That's tomorrow, February 1st, 2020, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Sign up and RSVP at the link on the show notes, which is bit.ly slash live NYAFP, bit.ly slash live NYAFP to get on that show and uh, participate. Ask us a question live and see if you can stump us. I'd love that. So thank you guys. This has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, not my normal mini series to be sure, but a lot of fun to go deep dive and to remember and review some of these articles that still bang around the internet somewhere. So uh, back to uh, cute cat viral videos doing their taxes, I guess. Until then, thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.